Dear founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. Before we get into today's episode, I want to give you a little sneak peek about something I have coming up. My social media for small business masterclass wraps this week and the doors are officially open for an awesome new way to work with me. I'm really excited to launch my new program, Big Impact Marketing for Small Business with Little to No Budget. You can click the link in my show notes for more information and to register. But I'm telling you this, I am limiting the number of people who sign up for this workshop. So if this is something that you want to be involved in and a way that you want to work with me, now is the time to sign up. I'm really excited for you to meet today's guest for so many reasons, but mainly because she's my own podcast tour publicist. You'll hear the story today about how I found Scout Sobel. Hint, my network has something to do with it, but she's absolutely incredible and she's a wealth of knowledge in the world of podcasting. And I think you're going to take away a lot of information from her story and from her wisdom. Scout Sobel is the CEO of Scout's Agency the founder of the, the Emotional Entrepreneur, which is a podcast and a best-selling book. And she's also the co-host of the popular OKSIS podcast. She's a trailblazer in the media industry for using podcasts as a powerful form of PR. After starting OKSIS, which focuses on female guests, Scout fell in love with spreading women's stories and identified the rising popularity and influence of podcasting. She started Scout's agency with an emphasis in podcast PR for women entrepreneurs, podcasters, and brands. In just two and a half years, Scout's agency has become the leading agency for getting women as guests on podcasts. This is what I have her and her team do for me. Scout has also lived with bipolar disorder for the last 15 years. She was once unable to function in society, but after finding entrepreneurship and taking radical responsibility over her emotions, she's now able to live a life of purpose. Her debut book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, provides the mindset and emotional tools she learned from managing her mental illness that have helped her to succeed in business. The Emotional Entrepreneur hit number 11 on Amazon for women in business and the top 100 charts for entre entrepreneurship. I'm so excited about today's episode. Podcasting has become such an integral part of my life, and a lot of it has to do with Scout's agency. So come on in and meet Scout Sobel. All right, today on Dear Founder, we have Scout Sobel from Scout's Agency, and I'm so excited that she's here, and I'm so excited that I found her, actually. I found Scout through a class that I took on podcasting, and she was mentioned as like the podcast guru and the person you want to go to if you want to do a podcast tour. And so I looked her up, and I did some research, and we had a call, and I instantly connected with her and loved her, and I hired her. And Scout has this take on podcasts that I think a lot of people just don't know and don't understand. And she has built a business around podcasting, which very few people today can say. 
Um, and so I'm so excited to have her here to share her knowledge and wisdom and story with us. Scout, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to talk about one of my favorite things, which is podcasts and business. So I'm excited. Good. So, I mean, podcasting is, I, I mean, it's not new. We know that. I mean, it's been around for a little bit, but definitely I would say over the last two years during the pandemic, podcasting has skyrocketed tremendously, but you have built a business all around podcasting. And I'd love for you to share your story. I think you have a fantastic story as to how you got into this and why. So it started, I think almost now five years ago. It's very random. I was living in this loft style apartment next to a wholesale produce store that sold all the produce to the restaurants in San Diego. And for whatever reason, they decided to open a podcast studio And since I shopped there all the time, I asked the girls at the cashier if I could hop in. And since they didn't know what they were doing, they decided that they would produce my show for a year for free. And so I thought, why not? It's for free. It's next door. Let's do this. After a year of doing that, it felt a little stale. And um, I feel like it felt a little stale because I really believe that When you start a project, it's really important that you do every little aspect of that project. And since it was being produced for me and all I had to do was show up, my commitment level wasn't that great, but I loved the medium. And so one day I found myself at the Ojai Valley Inn and Spa for my sister's birthday. And I didn't have an episode for the like two days later because that's how great I was at my podcast. And I asked her if she would hop on. And, you know, we had some rosés, we, you know, got a massage. And my podcast was really spiritual and mental health. And all of a sudden, me and my sister are cracking up about The Bachelor and pop culture and this and that. And there was really magic there. And so I asked my sister to start OKSIS podcast with me. I shut down my other podcast and me and Mads started out and we took it really seriously and we decided to treat it like a business. The magic started when I recognized that a couple months into it, I was in the hotel room of Vanessa Grimaldi, and she had just won the previous season of The Bachelor. And I'm looking at my sister, and I'm like, we're two Jewish sisters with no real social media presence. Our careers aren't taking off. We don't have personal brands. Quite frankly, we're kind of in our 20s and we're lost. And yet all of a sudden, we're talking to women that we never thought we'd we'd have the chance to talk to. And so my ears kind of perked up. This was three and a half years ago. And I said, there's something really powerful about this. And me and Mad said, yeah, it's a total scam because we all know that when you DM your favorite role model, Hey, can I pick your brain over coffee? They're probably going to say no. But if you ask them to be a guest on your podcast, they say yes. And so that's when that was kind of my first aha moment that podcasting is powerful, but I, I was looking at it more in a, in a self-interest way in the host's perspective. But then I started seeing our community follow our guests online, buy their product, sign up for their newsletter, become clients of theirs. And that's when I had the aha moment that being a guest on a podcast is the new form of PR. And not only is it the new form of PR, it is the, it's the deepest method of PR. You know, you're not getting quoted once from an editor or you're not getting painted by an editor of who you are, but in reality, you're talking to an audience for up to an hour. They hear the inflections in your voice. They hear your challenges. They hear your successes. It's it's a human way to connect with other people and to spread your message really wide. So to be honest, I started Scouts Agency February of 2019 just with this idea that there was something here. I had no business plan. I wrote out a list of a thousand women that I wanted to represent. 
I had a media kit set up. I was working for my mom at the time. And I just emailed a thousand women one day. Gmail blocked my email. So I opened up another one because they thought I was spam. Then I had two emails for a year, which was a total mess. And, um, you know, I was able to sign 10 clients pretty quickly and I quit my day job within a couple months and it's kind of soared from here. And we've been able to shape what's now known today as the podcast tour since three years ago, one, that wasn't a thing that we did. And two, we were the only agency that offered it as a standalone service. So women such as yourself could come to us, not for a full PR package, but a little bit of a smaller concentrated strategy within the podcast space. I have so many questions. I mean, really, I just took so many notes. So part of part of how I found you was because Kathy Heller said that she got your email and she became one of your clients. Like that My was first. right. Yes. And that you were that she was your first client. And, you know, I was taking her podcasting class when she mentioned you. And so that's really why I started like digging into you. Right. But I love that you say, and that this is your experience, that it all started with an email because my number one tip that I give entrepreneurs is you have to send an email, send it to everyone, you know, send it, you know, you got to reach out, reach out to those people who you want to do business with. I would love for you to talk about the power of that email and how it, how it really helped you take off. I think that Scouts Agency was built on cold emailing. It is one of my fortes. It's one of my magic sauce. It's the thing that I think, as you said, people overlook a lot more because it sounds so simple. And yet it is it is the most powerful tool that we have available to us today as business owners. Listen, I don't even have a PR background. I never even came from a client-based business. I didn't know anything about any of this, but I wrote an email that had heart, that showed my personality, that showed that I was willing to show up. Kathy says that she when I told her that she was my first client, she said, I would have thought you were doing this for years just because of the heart that I put in the email. And so I'm a not afraid to email a lot. I think people underestimate how much cold outreach it takes to really make an impact. So I think to get my first 10 clients, I emailed over 2000 people. Um, But I am pretty fearless in that. I'm pretty fearless in the email because the worst that happens is they don't answer. And if they don't answer, they literally will never remember you. It's not like your reputation is weird, but cold emailing is what I built my business on. There was no PR podcast industry. So I developed relationships with these podcasters myself. And so I would say one, to get over the fear of the cold email, two, prioritize it as a strategy. And three, write an email with heart, write an email with your soul. We don't need to be boring and bland and corporate. Nobody wants those emails. Write the email that people want to hear. All right. So your core product is the podcast tour. Was that something that you came up with before you sent this email? Or was that something that you kind of like waited to see what people responded and how they responded and what they needed and then came up with it? So I hired actually an agency a month and a half before I started Scouts Agency to help with my podcast, OKSIS. And uh, we didn't have the best. Uh, we didn't have the best experience because they weren't bringing in the quantity of results. I think we got one guest in eight weeks of working with them, and so I had to pick up the slack because we didn't have guests. And I booked out our show, you know, five days before going to New York, which was to interview a bunch of people in New York. So I took that experience with them and saw that I could do it one better, and that I was being successful at it. 
And so I liked the way they formatted their business and the way that they offered their services. So I kind of, in a way, modeled the way they presented it and the way I was going to present it to my clients. They were doing traditional PR and guest booking for us. And then I added the podcast tour to my services. So when I started, I had three services and they're the same three services we have today. If you have a podcast, we will book podcast guests onto your podcast, high-end celebrities, famous entrepreneurs, et cetera. The second is the podcast tour, which is, we used to call it the podcast drive back then, um, which is the thing that I kind of brought into, into this new model. And then the third, honestly, was traditional PR because I didn't think anybody would sign with me if I didn't have traditional PR, but I didn't even know how to do traditional PR. So I just put it on there and I was like, let's see what happens here. And we've had a lot of success in the traditional PR realm. Because again, traditional PR is emailing someone and connecting with them via email. And if they like what you have to say, they respond. So um, yeah, that's how it started. I was very clear about the three services we were we were offering. And I priced them similarly to what the agency priced their stuff because I was willing to pay for that. So I thought that other people at my stage would be willing to pay for that as well. I love how you just laid that all out for everyone. And I just want to say as a client of yours, I loved being able to come to your website and come to you and getting everything just, you gave me everything so clearly. It was like, okay, you know, and it was, and I, and I say that because for people who are listening, it is so important to know your product and to know who you're talking to and what you're going to charge and just have it be very simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so many days where I'm like, are we pigeonholing? Should we add more? Should we do this? Should we do that? But it's, I think the biggest gift that I've given myself with this agency was, yes, we have guest booking and traditional PR, but we have a hero product and we know that hero product in and out. And it's that simplicity and that straightforwardness of that product. It's this many months. This is the price. This is the average. This is how it works. Very clearly laid out, I think is the reason why our agency is so successful. There's so many times where I try to branch out and sell this or sell that or sell this. And it doesn't really work because I think that we've hit on a very niche product or service that we've been able to master over time that just makes sense when we communicate it to a prospective client. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast. As I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast, Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. You said something really interesting. You said, you know, my sister and I um, decided we were going to really treat our podcast like a business. And I'd love for you to kind of get into what that means, because 
when I, when I just, I knew that I had wanted to start a podcast. That was like a given for me. And I think a lot of people thought I was going to start a podcast in the parenting space because that's where I had built my business over the last 12 years. But a lot of people didn't understand until I explained to them, like, no, like I'm not having a podcast to like shoot the shit with people or to like just share. Like I am having a podcast to elevate myself and to build my own expertise and to drive my own business. And I think a lot of people don't understand how that works or why it works. And by you even saying that from the start, that set the tone for where you were taking your podcast. Yeah. You know, I think we said that not necessarily knowing what the podcast would do for our careers, which it gave us our careers, both of us, we still do OKSIS today simply because of that. I don't care about the ad money. I don't care about the network. I don't even care. I don't care if that all went away tomorrow. I would still do OKSIS because of the networking it's brought me and the business opportunities and the legitimacy it brings me in my agency, et cetera. But when we said that, I think it was more of let's take this really seriously together and churn out content that we feel proud of, that is consistent, et cetera. So my sister had never launched anything before that. And I have been in the entrepreneurial space since I was 22. So I am one of those people who launches fast, adjusts later, doesn't really think, hops in, sees what happened. I'm, I'm pretty um, comfortable with failure and risk. And so my sister was totally nervous. This was three and a half years ago too, where there wasn't online courses. There wasn't women teaching other women how to start podcasts. There wasn't this whole industry around it. It was a lot more like the ringer or NPR, et cetera. So when we said that it was more like, let's commit to this. Let's take it seriously. Let's be intentional about our decisions. But we had no idea what that would bring. We, we, we couldn't look at somebody else and say, let's do this so that we can talk to these people and get this network and grow in this way. It just started with this intention of, hey, let's treat this really seriously and be committed to it. But talk about talk a little bit about what it did do and what it can do for people. I know what it has done for me, but you know you have this podcast, and it's not to your point just about the ad revenue and and really and truly the ad revenue for most podcasts is not that great. Mm-hmm. Um, but what does it do for a business owner? So for a business owner, and I'm going to say this first: if you are thinking about starting a podcast for the money, don't do it you get $25 for every thousand downloads you get. That is nothing to push someone else's vitamin. To to harness the purchasing power of your community towards your business and your brand is so much more impactful. So, okay, sis, I mean, I said before, I didn't have a career, I didn't have a personal brand, and I didn't have a network. One beautiful example of how this podcast gave me everything was that when I launched my book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, I had a collective of over 8 million followers post about my book because they were guests on my podcasts. And when I reached out to them and I said, hey, I would love to send you my book, they rallied behind me because we were in an intimate container together where we talked for an hour. That kind of a quote unquote, influencer marketing campaign. I don't even know how much that would cost you. These women willingly got behind me and supported me. That kind of network cannot be found on any other content platform. It cannot be found at a conference. It cannot be found at a mixer happy hour with other people that are like-minded than you. So it all of a sudden put me into a space where I have close relationships with women who have their own Netflix shows, with women who are the top YouTubers, with 
the most influential entrepreneurs in the country that I get to call on, I support them and they support me. So on the network alone, it is the most incredible thing. And then of course, as you build the community, I said again, harnessing the purchasing power of your community to support your business, your book, your client load, your course, et cetera, is so impactful because if you look on Instagram, if you follow someone on Instagram, how add up all the time you interact with them in a week. It's like what, maybe five minutes a week with your favorite influencer? At really? Best. And it, yeah, and it's fragmented. You check a story here, you check a story there. But when you are going to a podcast, you go there every single week, you know every, you know, every Tuesday or whatever they're gonna drop, you listen to them for an hour. It's a it's a connection that can't be built elsewhere. So If you're in the business of networking, start a podcast. If you're in the business of building a deep community, start a podcast. I have seen either hosting a podcast or being a guest on a podcast, my clients, myself, my sister, people I know, launched best-selling books, went number one to Amazon, got celebrities to endorse their book because they were a guest on their podcast. I've seen someone get a column in the LA Times because they interviewed an LA Times editor and they hit it off. And so that opportunity came about. It's a magic unlike any other. And and why I love it so much is because we can be digitally connected all day long. And we right now are digitally connected, right? Like we're doing this on Zoom. Yep. This is the most human way to connect with other people is podcasting. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, that that absolutely answered my question. Because I think, I just think that a lot of people, to my point earlier, just don't understand why you would start a podcast. And what it does bring. And it was, it's funny because I remember when I got my first thousand downloads, which was very early on. And this, like this podcast has done amazing. The community that I've built here, you got like, they are amazing. Like you're going to see them come to your Instagram. I mean, they're going to love you, you know, but you know, when I've got my first thousand downloads, even my husband and I love him and he's my biggest supporter, but my husband (laughs) said, really a thousand downloads. Like, I didn't think you were going to like, I didn't think anyone was going to listen. You know what I mean? Like he, and he couldn't believe it. And we've long surpassed that number. Um, But I just think a lot of people who aren't in it don't know. And to your point there, it's such an amazing opportunity if you can harness it and get behind it. Also, yeah. And and there's so many ways. I'll give you some tangible ways that people can start thinking about how a podcast can serve them. Let's say you are a new relationship and dating coach. Start a podcast where you are interviewing experts in the dating and relationship world. You can have your top 10 people on and you might get a couple of them within two years of hosting a podcast. Not only is that going to put you in the network of the industry that you're in, it's going to create credibility and thought leadership around you. So your clients are really going to trust you, especially since you're linked to these other experts. You're having these very in-depth conversations. It's going to showcase who you are and what you bring to the table. That's a beautiful way to kickstart a coaching career. Or if you just graduated college and you want to, I don't know why this is coming to mind, you want to be an astronaut, start a podcast where you interview everyone at NASA, right? That's a way to get your foot in the door so much more than, and you know, do the work from the bottom, go up, but you're going to get recognized so much more. If you have a podcast where you're interviewing professors and NASA scientists, than just trying to go from the ground up. Well, and also a podcast is free. Launching a podcast yeah. is free. You and you know, really and truly, you need earbuds and a computer, and that's it. You can have a fancy mic like you and I both do, but 
you don't need it. And there are times that I record on my phone. There are times I record just with my Apple earphones. So, you know, I think it's such an amazing marketing tool that I think is so under underrepresented to be very honest. Yes, I, I would agree with that. It's it's a big time commitment, but it's worth it. And so I want to switch gears a little bit because not everyone will obviously want to have a podcast, but you know, you talked about how you and your sister were like, oh my God, how did our podcast escalate so that we could get such big guests on our podcast? And you know, when you had Vanessa on the podcast, was she like your first celebrity? Was she um was she like your first big get? Yes. Yeah, she was the one, and this was like three months in. We were uh, we were pretty shocked. I was like, "Is this happening to us right now? This is very crazy." So yeah, that was our first. So how did you get her? Did you literally just DM her? We emailed her. And do you know what was her reasoning for say yes for saying yes? Like, do you know why she wanted to be on the podcast? Did it did she resonate with your email? Do you even know this? I'm asking you something you might not know. I don't know, but I will say I think it was a combination at that time of in the right place at the right time since people that were just normal people not affiliated with businesses weren't really starting podcasts. So I'm sure she didn't have a lot of requests to go on. And I'm sure she thought that was pretty cool to be on our podcast. We had great branding. Our other guests, we had big guests, but she was definitely our biggest at that time. So there was an alignment there. Um, So I think now if you're going to start a podcast, it might take a little bit longer to get a guest like that, but truly not as long as you think. So how did her guest appearance on your podcast lead to other guest appearances? So this is where you get to be strategic, right? So there's a lot of times where I, we think of, this sounds weird to say, but you have to think about your guests in a strategic way. I think a lot of people are afraid to name drop, but if you were on Forbes, you would say that you were on Forbes in an email. So it's the same thing. If you interviewed Morgan Harper Nichols, like we did, I'm going to tell you if I want you to be on my podcast that that's who I've interviewed. It's a way to create credibility. It's a way to create instant trust in a prospective guest, et cetera. So work your way up. The bigger guests you get, the more aspirational guests you get, then you use that as a launching pad to get the next guest. And a lot of the times, you know, we, my sister and I have gotten a lot of guests who are in the same circle. So I could say, Hey, your friend was on and that creates instant trust and credibility. Oh, well, if my friend was on, of course they, then I can go on, et cetera. So a lot of people, when they write pitch letters, they do a couple things wrong. One, they don't link out to their podcast or their Instagram or anything. There's no links. There's, there's gotta be links. Nobody wants to look it up. We want to click and see, click and see, click and see. And two, they don't write who their past guests were at all. And some of them have really great guests. It's a, it's the, it's a, it's kind of like the new writing I've been featured in Wall Street Journal and Forbes and Entrepreneur. It's the same thing. So don't feel afraid to say, Hey, we've interviewed these people and we would love to also add you to that lineup. So for someone who doesn't want to start a podcast, but who can still benefit from podcasts by going on podcasts, what would you tell them? And like, how would you explain to them the benefits that being a podcast guest can bring to their to them, to their life, to their business, to whatever it is that they're doing. So when you think about being a guest on a podcast, I always one preach quantity because that's really what's going to get the job done in many ways. But when you're when you're creating a marketing plan, let's say, and you think about an Instagram ad or a Facebook ad or a YouTube video, there's parameters on you have to grab people in three seconds or less, or the thumbnail has to look a certain way, or the title has to be clickbaity. 
all of that goes away in the podcast space and you can literally just talk about what you want to talk about for an hour. It's unfiltered. It's not curated. It's real. And it's you. So if you are exhausted by either Facebook ads or always showing up on Instagram, which believe me, we all do anyways, or email marketing, et cetera, being a guest on a podcast is going to be the deepest way you connect with other human beings on what it is you are trying to either sell or spread the message on. So when you are a guest on a podcast, people aren't just reading a caption. They're not just seeing your Instagram ad. They're not checking into your IG live for like, what, 90 seconds and then clicking out. They're listening to you for up to an hour. That type of attention on the internet is unheard of and it is only found in the podcast space. So being a guest on a podcast, I always say creates new intimate community members. You will get DMs, you'll get Instagram followers, and you'll also get the benefit of uh, networking with the host, which can also lead to other collaborative and business opportunities. The same way being a podcast host can create that network situation for you as well. I want to share one of the podcasts you put me on was a big podcast with a celebrity mom. And um, she just interviewed for my podcast. We're, We're putting it out, I think in a couple of weeks. And she asked me for a business proposal. So I I share that because it's not just Scout telling you that this happens. Like it does actually happen. And um, I have had other podcasts that I've gone on as well, either patronize my workshops or ask me for proposals or whatever it might be. And so it re- it is a real thing. And it is something that with my own clients, you know, I always bring up podcasting. Like I, I have these event planners right now and I'm trying to build their trust and authority. And they're like, well, why would we want to on a podcast? I'm like, because it's going to build your credibility. I'm like, we're, we want to get you on some podcasts, like about event planning and, and about what you do and why you're so great. It builds your credibility, right? So, and your thought leadership for sure. Your thought leadership, especially if you can show a prospective client, Oh, listen to these few episodes and you'll really get to know me. And what you just said about how you were on someone's podcast, now they're coming on yours, and now she wants a business proposal. I see it all the time with my clients. I had I put my client on a celebrity entrepreneur podcast, then she had her on hers, and then she hired her. You know, it was like amazing. It was incredible. Yes. And I and I get pitches all the time for people to be on my podcast. And they're like, and she has a podcast. And my response back is I'd love to have them on my podcast if they'll have me on theirs. And like uh. The pod right? swap is the move. The pod swap, that's another element, right? Like doing a pod swap is how you grow your podcast and it's how you take that networking component to the next level. Something I will say that I believe me and Mads have done super well is not just had someone on the podcast and had a great conversation and then published it and walked away. We follow up with the people that we interview and you have to cultivate that network off the mic. So mm-hmm. following them on Instagram, commenting on every single one, when one of our past guests is pregnant, you better believe we're putting it on the Instagram story, wishing a mazel tov real quick. It's just a constant support of the community. And that's how it snowballs into them, them wanting you on and them wanting to hire you, et cetera. So pod swaps well, is amazing. And I think what's interesting, what's interesting about what you just said, because I preach and talk about community all the time. That's what I, I did is I built a community and now I'm building another community, but it's a different kind of community than just your Instagram community. It is a more intimate community that you then, to your point, follow up on Instagram, follow up on social media. And that's kind of what keeps you stuck together. But to your point, like, I feel like I can email any single one of my guests and ask them 
to write a review or to, to your point, to do anything for me. I mean, I sent an email the other day saying, you know, we've dropped 30 episodes. Here's where we're at. Thank you so much for your support. I'd love to have you on live. Guess what? I have 10 lives set up coming up in the next three weeks. So it really is that like cultivation of the network and the community and goes back to everything that I always say, which is like your community is your best asset. Yes. And that's what podcasting will give you. I mean, I have five, um, like almost barely 5,000 followers on Instagram, barely. My book hit number 11 on Amazon's Women in Business. That's not because of my Instagram following guys. That's because of the 30 podcast tour I did and the women that I've connected with on podcasting rallying behind me. So let's just talk very quickly before we wrap up about the business aspect, because, you know, we've talked about the two kind of sides of podcasting and why those things are so important, but you have a big business, you run an agency. And that is something too, that like, I think a lot of people, it is like out of their realm of capability and you started it with your laptop computer and your email. And now how many employees do you have? Seven? Uh, We're a team of seven. Yeah. Including me. So I would love for you to shed a little bit of light on how you grew that and how you knew when to grow that. You know, <laughs> uh, I think I'm a masochist when it comes to entrepreneurship. Um, the first year was hard. The first year was really hard. I Look, I became an entrepreneur when I was 22 because I had dropped out of college because I received a bipolar diagnosis. And I couldn't function. I was in the hospital. They locked me up. I've had a horror story when it comes to mental illness and psychiatric help. And one day I asked my friend if she wanted to start a magazine. And suddenly I could function. I started this magazine and I worked 12 hours and I was so happy and passionate and excited. And I found the thing that I could live within. I found the framework that that I could be successful in, that I could flourish in. And I couldn't make money off any of my ventures for years. And so when I started this agency, there was a part of me that just wanted to prove to my family that I could do this because I couldn't work a normal job. My mental illness is too temperamental, especially back then for me to fit into a normal framework. So when I started this business, my family was like, again, something else, like, do you have time? Like, you have a good job, like, just keep it. And so there was a part of me that said, no, I will make this work if it's the last thing I do. And that year was extremely emotionally taxing. I remember going to Italy with my husband four months in, it was like our first international trip that we paid for ourselves. And I got an email from a client who wasn't happy And I had panic attack after panic attack after panic attack in Italy. The whole trip was ruined. So there was, there was that it was hard. And there was also this like naivete. I signed 10 clients in five months and then I hired my first employee and opened an office at the same time. And then I was only on month to month contracts. So five of my clients left, not out of anything wrong. They were just moving on. And suddenly I could only pay myself $1,500 a month and I was supporting me and my husband getting his PhD because I created all this overhead without contracts that even helped me predict revenue. So I built my agency by making a lot of mistakes and emotionally deciding and committing to move through them. So (laughs) I am very comfortable with risk. I'm very comfortable with taking on things that are a little bit over my, you know, threshold maybe. And so 
it wasn't until I would say about eight months ago that I felt that I had my bearings, that I felt that I had a foot around. Um, So I started building a a serious team last year. I hired a full-time account manager. I hired a part-time account manager and I hired an assistant. And then I hired a senior level person. And that was really scary because that, that salary was higher. But I will say this, I invested in a team W2 straight out the gate full-time. And a lot of people don't do that. They do independent contractors. They're afraid they'll do part-time. And those are the people that have turnover. And those are the people that don't have a strong foundation. I have never had a team member leave. I know I've only been in business for three years, but I, I don't foresee them going anywhere, anywhere soon. So to be honest, it was this relentless commitment to um, an acceptance of discomfort It was knowing that the next step was to hire somebody, but not really understanding how I could make that work and doing it anyways. It was holding on to the belief that when I build my business, the money comes and the money can't come if the infrastructure isn't big enough to hold it. And so it's been extremely difficult and it's been the best thing I've done in my life. That's for sure. But there is no rule book to this. You kind of just have to make a decision and show up to make it work. There were pressure points, but one thing I do believe in is investing in in your team, W2, full-time employee. And I believe in making decisions before you feel ready. Such good advice. Such good advice. I mean, I, I was very quiet while you were sharing that because you do learn from mistakes. And that's like, if you don't make them, you're not going to be able to go to the next level, right? Like it is also so scary to your point. Like when you are hiring that senior person, oh my God, I I just like, I might, when you said that, like my, my own heart fell into my stomach because I remember that day at bump club. And I remember making that investment and it was scary, but it allowed me to build the business and grow the business. I mean, now great. Let's, let's add another account manager. Now, you know, I'm, I'm very comfortable. I built the muscle. I feel very secure in my business for sure. I can now add another team member and not lose sleep about it at night anymore, but it did take me a couple years to understand one, the business model two, how to scale three, what my profits were, what I could afford as monthly overhead, you know, for someone that's not a seasoned entrepreneur who hasn't run a business before when it's your first time, those first couple of years, are hard. And now I'm so grateful because I really feel like because I invested in the senior team, because I invested in my team and the things that, uh, the things that fueled me up, you know, like a beautiful office that was really important to me, that kind of stuff. Now I feel very comfortable making, you know, growth decisions. What would you tell someone who's just starting out three actionable things that someone who's listening, who, you know, has an idea or maybe just started a business or even someone who's a little bit into it, what would you tell them? I would tell them you can afford to hire, even though you don't think you can. And I know I just said, you know, the, the full, full-time W2, but hiring at times 10 hours a month for some basic admin work will free you up so much to grow the business. And a lot of people don't think they can afford that, but they really can a lot earlier than they think. So I would be thinking about team growth. That's for sure. Two, I would write yourself a letter, have a ritual, make a commitment like you do a wedding and commit to the discomfort and know that it will come and walk through it anyways. And three, every time something goes right, celebrate and not the big stuff. 
the, oh my God, this person answered my email. I know they said no, but I never thought they'd even answer me back. That's a celebration. My sister says, it's almost nauseating how much I celebrate. Celebrate every little thing because the more you do that, it'll give you more confidence to keep going. Scout Sobel from Scouts Agency. Thank you so much for being here. Where can we find you? It will be linked in the show notes, but I'd love for you to say it as well. Yes, you can find me on Instagram at Scout Sobel. In the link in my bio, I've got everything from both of my podcasts to Scouts Agency. And you can follow Scouts Agency at Scouts Agency or find us www.scoutsagency.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. This is a topic that I know a lot of people don't know about. And you are the guru. And I am honored that you took the time out of your day to be here. So thank you. Thank you so much. This was awesome. So if I haven't done so already, has Scout Sobel convinced you why podcasting is integral to your business and to your marketing plan? There are so many amazing takeaways in this episode and so many that I know you have not thought of before. So you know what time it is. Take out your pen and paper and get ready to write these down. Number one, start with an email. You know I love this tip. Scout did it. I did it. Don't be afraid. Reach out and let people know what you're doing. People overlook emailing, but it is the most powerful tool we have available to us today as business owners. Number two, be clear and direct about what you offer. Have a hero product, be experts in it, and sell the shit out of it. Number three, don't start a podcast for the money. Start it for the authority and the credibility that it will bring to you and the network that it will give you. Number four, Podcasts provide a a network for you that you cannot get anywhere else. You're having conversations with people for over an hour. Please tell me when in business this happens. Never. Number five, cultivate your network. Maintain your network. You'll be able to tap into them when you need them. Think about the example that Scout used when she launched her book. Number six, podcasting is the most human way to connect with other people, especially in the digital space. Number seven, a podcast can serve you for so many ways. For example, if you're a coach, interview experts in your space. This puts you in the network of your industry. It creates credibility and thought leadership. Number eight, if you're trying to get podcast guests, you're going to need to work your way up. Use current guests as a launching pad to get bigger guests. Number nine, there are no parameters to a podcast interview. You can talk about what you want to talk about. It's unfiltered. It's uncharted. It's you. Number 10, Being on a podcast is the deepest way to connect with other human beings on what it is that you want to share. This type of attention on the internet is absolutely unheard of, and you can only get it from a podcast. Number 11, starting a business is hard. Be comfortable with risk. Invest in a team. If you have employees with actual W-2s, you build a relationship, and ultimately you have less turnover. Commit to your team who are helping you to build your vision. Number 12, you can afford to hire even when you think you can't. Even if it's part-time, when you hire people to free up your time, you are able to grow the business. And number 13, my favorite, anytime something goes right, you need to celebrate. Thank you so much, Scout, for sharing your wisdom today on Dear Founder. And thank you so much to everyone who listened. Make sure that you follow Lindsay Pinchuk and at Dear Founder on Instagram. You can also go to lindsaypinchuk.com for more. If you like what you're hearing on the Dear Founder podcast, please make sure to leave a rating and review wherever it is that you listen. You have no idea how much I appreciate it and how much it helps. We have some great guests coming up, so make sure that you subscribe wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. If you know someone who wants to start their own business like Scout or who has a business or an idea, please, please, please share this episode with them. Better yet, if you know someone who can benefit from podcasting, 
Please make sure you share this interview with them or share it in your stories on Instagram. Tag me, tag Scout. I will reshare them to say thank you. Stay tuned for another episode of Dear Found Her coming your way soon.